<laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. After several minutes, almost an hour, we have made it possible. Today's guest, <laughs> we have made it. We're just going to say it right now. Today's guest is Kendrick from Moorhead before something else goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kendrick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. It's exciting to be on the podcast. I'm a big fan. Finally, huh? I know, right? It took us what, like almost two two weeks, almost <laughs> two weeks, two weeks and a half, I would say. Yeah. I'd say that uh, my lack, uh, my lack of communication has been so bad. It's been so crazy busy. So it's it's all right, man. My schedule is just my schedule is hectic. So I a definitely fun schedule. Understand. It had to be a fun schedule. Oh yeah, and Morehead. <laughs> very very busy. Busy? How busy? Like, so my typical day, I have a GA job too. So I wake up and I work at my GA job from nine to like one forty-five, and then I leave for What's practice. What's GA job? And, uh, I'm like an academic mentor in our like uh, oh. athlete study center. Uh huh. So I just pretty much just check up on grades. Um, I have like a list of people that come and see me. And I just, like I said, I just check up on their grades, check up on their mentals. People on the team? Uh, football players, actually. Oh. What's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What's, their average, uh, what's their average grade, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, the guy, All the guys <laughs> that I got right now, they're actually doing pretty good. I mean, um, they're keeping up on all their stuff. And, and you know, our meetings are uh, pretty short and sweet because, like I said, I, 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 they just come in. I record their grades. You know, I check on their mentals and stuff. And, um, and then I send them on their way. But. But hey, yeah, like the, the like a shout out, shout out, yeah, sh- shout out to the freshman football players because y'all are doing the thing. <laughs> y'all are failing. That's good. Usually freshmen fail right. right away. Right. I I don't got nobody failing right now, so I must be doing something right. There we go, Kendrick. Kendrick's the man. Kendrick's the man off the field and on the field. Let's go, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Kendrick. Um. One of the reasons why, you know, I really want to have you in the podcast and I want um, to be part of this because you have told me some interesting stuff that I really want to share with everyone else on the podcast. And I didn't really I actually don't know the whole story of this. And that is what gets me more interested uh, since our last call. Yep. It's very deep. It's a long story, man. So, guys, let's. we're just going to dive into it. I hope you guys are amazing. I hope you guys are killing it. I don't know when you're listening to this, whether it's on a Tuesday night or on Wednesday night. I don't know. Nighttime, morning, when you're running or you're at practice, you listen to it. You know why? Because this is the number one trillion podcast in the world still, in fact, after being gone. All right. And if it's yes, not sir. you, then you tell someone else. Tell Charles Darwin or Einstein. All right. Tell someone because they're factual. You know, the people they are pretty <laughs> smart. All right. And that's what spilled the cheers too. Pretty smart. Uh, but yeah, Kendrick. I'm going to ask you with the first question and we'll roll right, from there. Me. How did you start? How did you get into cheerleading? First of all? Oh man. All right. So it was the tail end of my sophomore year of high school. Um, all right. Yeah. So it was my tail end of my sophomore year of high school. And um, I decided that I was going to quit football because I just, I didn't have the size. I wasn't as big as like my classmates and stuff. And I didn't really like how the football program was being ran at the time. Like I 
didn't I, I knew that I didn't have a future in football. So I was going to quit and just focus on wrestling. Like that was wrestling is my first love. Like that was going to be my thing, but I needed I was one of those kids that if I didn't have something to fill my time, I was going to get myself in trouble. Like that was just that's just the kind of kid I was I was at the time. And what so, city and state? Um, I was talking Did you grow up in? Uh I'm from Manhattan, Kansas. Shout out Wildcats. Let's go. Hey, yo. Finally got in the top 25. Um, but <laughs> so I was talking to my friend. I was talking to my best friend at the time. Uh, her name is Tara. And I was telling her, like, I was going to quit football and focus on wrestling, but I needed something to fill the, my, my time and my space. And uh, she was like, well, why don't you do cheerleading? And I was like, at first I was kind of resistant to it. I was like, nah, I don't want to do cheerleading. Like, like what even is that? Um, but we had actually gone <laughs> to the playground. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, we had gone to the playground one day and we were just doing, trying like sketchy stunts, bro. Like, no, like this, my, my best friend, Tara, she's taller than me. Okay, I'm only 5'6". And she's a lot taller than me. Didn't know what a toss hands was. Didn't even know what a, a walk in hands was. Like, we had another friend help her get into my hands, like the old fashioned way. Like she <laughs> grabbed onto her hands, and then I picked up her feet, oh, and yeah. somehow she ended up in the air. And I was like, okay, like I can kind of get behind this. And she was like, all right, bet. And so, you know, like wait, a day, how did you bring her down? Later, I do like the same way she came up was the same way she came down. I didn't pop her off or nothing. Like, <laughs> no, bro. I didn't know how to catch. Yeah, that's what I was saying. She was like, just get it off, just get it off. Uh, so, like I said, the same way she came up is the same way she came down. And uh, we, it was like one or maybe two days later, um, she just, she shoved all the tryouts stuff in my hand, and she was like, you're going to do cheerleading. And I was like, okay. And I signed it, and Three days later, I walked into the to the old gym for tryouts, and you know I learned how to do a back tuck in like two days on a dusty old wrestling oh, mat <laughs> from from one of the people that was like doing the the tryout clinic or whatever you want to mm. call it. But um, so that's what I tried out with. I tried out with a sketchy back tuck, and um, I just learned how to do the cheers and the chants, and that's. I made the the JV squad my my first year, so um, that's how I, I got ask to you. <laughs> I want to ask you where um, the transition from football to wrestling. Um, when you are saying that if you didn't fill that time, you were going to be in trouble or get in trouble, what right. do you mean by that exactly? Right. So um, I didn't really have like the best home life, if I'm being honest with you. Like it wasn't terrible by any means. But my mother and I have always had, like, this really rocky relationship. Like, she really couldn't relate to me, and I really couldn't relate to her. So I didn't really want to be home a lot. And so I would just, like, be outside or, you know. Um, but it was – I was always just doing dumb stuff. Like, mm -hmm. just dumb things with my friends and – like I said, I needed that that little that that ne uh, that extra activity for me. A, so I didn't mm -hmm. I could you know prolong me going home, and B, Correct. you know, so I could just 
find something to keep me active and to keep me in shape and yeah like my mom and i have always had this like really rocky relationship and rock and roll um mm-hmm. yeah so like when i was growing up i'd really just the older i got the less i wanted to be home because i just didn't want to interact with her um so like i said I'd, i need that extra activity to a prolong myself from going home and then you know be just for just to keep me out of trouble and that 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 part of the of of the cheerleading is what surprises me the most is how were you able to do make that transition right away because it's it's two different sports at at you right. know right away it's so so different you don't you can't compare football and, and wrestling to i mean you could probably compare the brotherhood or the the french that you, you get along but it's just two different sports you know at right. high school so too. so i had already been doing wrestling for a while like i've been doing wrestling since middle school at that point so i i've been wrestling for a number of years and um i really i had a conversation with my wrestling coach one day and he was like you know if you really want to be good at it you got to just focus on wrestling and so, like, that was my main focus. Like, that was my mindset at the time. Like, when I decided I was going to quit football. Um, but like I said, I didn't really, like, there was, there's this thing called club wrestling. But club wrestling, it's kind of like all-star cheer. It's really expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, we, yeah. like, my mom didn't really have the means to afford for me to do club wrestling at the time. And so that's why I kind of needed that extra activity to um, keep me in shape and, you know, fill, fill that space. Mm-hmm. And what year did you start cheerleading? So I started cheerleading, uh, let's see, I was 15 going on 16. That would have been probably like 20, would have been about 2014 maybe. Nah, it was, it was the... 2013 it would have been 2013 because i would have been a junior 2014 and then i graduated in 2015 so i started cheerleading in 2013 dang dude yeah man so but like game... but... <laughs> no, no. no i didn't mean it that way <laughs> <laughs> no what i meant <laughs> what i meant was was that that tra- the transition how much of um how how much of a surprise was it for a lot of people? Uh oh man, when I when I joined cheerleading? No. Oh man, I can't when I joined cheerleading, man, I caught so much flack from my friends, man. Like I got the typical like are you gay? Like cheerleading is for <laughs> girls. Like why are you doing cheerleading? Why are you not still in football? I caught so much crap from everybody, man. Like it was it was yeah. crazy how much hate I got from joining the cheer team. And I was like, bro, like it's it's cheerleading. Like I didn't know what cheerleading was at the time, but at, as soon as I got into it, like as soon as I started doing stuff and going to practices and um being out there at the games and stuff, like my friends kind of started to turn around a little bit. They're like, "Okay, like this is kind of cool." And like now when I interact with people from high school, they're like, man, you're like, you're still doing the cheerleading thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm still doing the cheerleading thing. And they're like, that's the yeah, coolest what's thing up? I've ever seen, man. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's on board now. Everybody's on the cheer train. What are you doing? Um, you're standing on the sideline. <laughs> right. That's what I'm looking saying. Looking from like, the stands. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying, man. Like everybody, like everybody that interact from, from high school now, like thinks that cheerleading is the coolest thing in the world. But 
man, when I started out, I got, like I said, I got so much hate and people just did not understand why I wanted to do cheer or like why I was even in it. But, you know, once I got in it, I think there's still, I think there's just still certain cities or certain uh, towns that don't take cheerleading as, as it is now for a lot of popular places, cities, you know, states and, and there's so much that there, it, it gives that it's not just a sport for girls or the pom-poms or, you know, it's the people around it. It's, it's, it's what makes it so special. And that is what keeps everyone going, right? It's, it's that adrenaline right. from not just the stunting part, but the, the feeling of, of something. And that something is, is what I'm trying to go for is what I'm trying to find out why. And I'm still, that, that's why we're still doing this podcast and we're still doing these like whole videos is, is that why, that meaning that why do people join, you know? Yeah. So when I joined, originally when I joined, it was, like I said, to keep myself out of trouble and keep myself in shape. Mm-hmm. But once I got into it, like being on the J, even being on the JV squad, like just being out in front of a crowd, that was like a whole different, you know, thing for me um like obviously when i wrestle i wrestle in front of fans and you know spectators and whatnot but you know being out there on the field and like watching the game that you love so much which is football i love football Mm -hmm. i love watching football and like being so close to the sideline like that was a different experience for me because i had only watched football from the stands like i had never been that close to the field before and so being able to experience that on that side of things was like really new to me and then when i got to my senior year i made the varsity team and varsity plays you on made varsity nights. senior year my senior year yeah i was i was so i was on i feel JV like you, like you should have been i feel like you should have been on varsity right away well so how it kind of went how the trial process went was um like the reason I didn't make varsity is because I didn't have no tumbling. Like I was, I was fresh into tumbling. What? Yeah, like, I, like I told you, I literally learned how to do a back tuck on a dusty old wrestling mat in like two days, and it wasn't even like good. Like I was still touching the ground and stuff, like kind of just mm-hmm. throwing my body over myself. Um, but after the year had progressed, I got better at my tuck, and I started to learn how to do a back handspring, and I was just really good at at game day. Like I'm. I'm a really good game day cheerleader. Um, you know, I've been to schools where game day is really not big, but you know, as a cheerleader, you kind of have to have to fake it till you make it, I guess. But, yeah. You know, like right. So I was really into the game day aspect, and what you got to understand about Kansas cheerleading is when I was coming up in Kansas, there was nothing as far as like high school competitive cheerleading. There was nothing. There was no game day. There was no like competition as you normally see it like at uca or nca whatever like there was nothing and so the the only big thing that the cheer team even did was like every other year they would go to this really big basketball tournament in kansas and put on like a halftime show like that was literally the only thing that we did yes bro like that is literally the only thing that we did as a program when i was coming up in the program and so why is that, though? Do you think it's just based on the coaching I, or based on the based on the budget or just well, based on the lack of? Well, okay. So when I first got into UCA as a staffer, I learned mm-hmm. that um, I looked at this map, and this map has 
uh, shades of like red and blue, what states do what things for varsity or whatever. And then there's Kansas and Kansas is just a big white spot. So Kansas doesn't affiliate like Kansas doesn't do anything pretty much for varsity. They just implemented um, a game day competition like five, Uh six years ago. So like, but when I was coming up, Kansas, Kansas had nothing like (laughs) they did nothing for varsity. Like they still don't do anything for varsity. Honestly, like they don't do the parades. They don't do all American. Like my high school doesn't even um, hire camp instructors from varsity. Like they, they do it from a whole different company. Yeah. Whole different company. uh, Like a cheerleading company. Like a cheerleading, like a whole different cheerleading company. Yeah. Why do they hate varsity? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I don't. No. <laughs> I don't know if they hate varsity, but I had talked to the Kansas director one point, and I was, and I asked him, I was like, "Why is there no competition in Kansas?" And he said, "Honestly, they don't have any plans to do any any of that sort of thing. Like they're sticking with game day, and that's it. Like that's the only mm, competition okay. for high school. So yeah, there. So it in Kansas, there's like two cities that have like really big all-star gyms it's wichita which was about two hours for me that's cheer eclipse and then um in lawrence there were a few gyms um but when i when i started cheerleading i didn't know what all-star was i didn't even know that you could cheer in college i didn't know that you could get money for cheering in college like i didn't know that you could toss a girl the craziest thing yeah like i i knew nothing about cheerleading when i started um the only thing i knew was what i was doing at high school Uh and so kind of like circling back um when i made varsity my senior year varsity plays on friday nights and like football in kansas is is really big especially in my town like i come from a college town k-state's there like football is huge in my town and um, our high school was really good at football and so the crowds on Friday nights were always huge, like they were massive. And I figured out, you know, very quickly that just being me, like just opening up myself and like opening up my personality on the sidelines attracted a lot of um, attention from people in the crowd, you know, especially the students. And me figuring out that I could kind of control a crowd almost was crazy i was like man like this is awesome like and it was even crazier because my senior year i was doing cheerleading and i was in the marching band so i would do the first half uh as a cheerleader and then when halftime rolled around i would do like a quick little switcheroo get into my band uniform (laughs) go do the halftime performance for the band uniform after that do a little do another little quick switcheroo get right back into my cheer uniform and get on the sideline so my senior year man i was busy i was i was everywhere that's cooking that's dope man because i had a friend just like that my senior year his name was, was josh shout out to josh if you're listening if you're not what the hell are you doing? But <laughs> but Josh was in the marching band as well. And we were like, let's go, Josh. He's going to go. And he's going to perform. And, like, all the cheerleaders would get hyped up. He was like, and then, like, we would sometimes mess him up because we were hyping up so much where he started laughing. And he wasn't actually right. performing the way he was supposed to. <laughs> uh, but those are fun, man. You get to do, like, two things. That's pretty cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So, and, like, I didn't. I didn't even try and do any sort of co-ed stunning until the end of my 
junior season. Like I didn't, I tried to do a walk in hands, man. That was, that was the hardest thing for me that I, I had ever attempted to do so far, like at that point, because mm-hmm. I was just working muscle groups that I had never worked before. You know, I was used yeah. to like manhandling dudes on a mat for seven minutes. You know, I didn't know <laughs> that like the, the biggest thing that I learned how to do, I learned how to do a windmill, which is where I like take the girl and like twirl around my head a little bit. And then I learned how to do a walk-in chair and that was it. Like that's, those are only two co-ed stunts that I knew how to do. But other than that, I was primarily doing group stunts. So I was a back spot. And so like, that's, that's what I learned first. I didn't even learn how to co-ed. I learned how to group stunt first. Did you think there was, there was more than, than a toss chair or no, 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 Um, a walk-in chair. Did you think there was something like maybe, I don't know, like, like, like two spins or 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 a backflip to to the hands oh, like you no. know like i didn't even that didn't even cross my mind that i could flip a girl over my head and then catch her in the air or spin her once or spin her twice and catch her like um my senior year we had a coach i had a coach that was actually on my high school cheer team like way back when and mm-hmm. uh i think he cheered for k state for a little bit and so he kind of knew like what to do as far as co-ed went like like the real real basic stuff but no flipping no spinning like hand in hand like none of that like, you see, do you see any videos on youtube or no on instagram? no bro no like i didn't see any videos on youtube any videos on instagram like nothing <laughs> when i like i'm not exaggerating when i said i had zero knowledge about cheerleading <laughs> uh, i knew the only thing I knew about cheerleading was what I was learning in the moment. <laughs> oh, and it was always something yeah. new. Yeah, it was always something new every day. Wow. So, so you didn't really know who the big dogs were or not even the college team. You were yeah. Like, no, man, this, I didn't, talk, this walking chair looked pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I knew that there were cheerleaders at K-State. But, like, they're more of a game day squad. They're not really, like, mm-hmm. like when I was growing up, they were more of a game day squad. Like they didn't do any competitions. Like they had stopped competing yeah. for a long time. Um, but I didn't. I didn't know who UK was. I didn't know who Moorhead was. I didn't know who you know any of those big name schools oh, were. Oh. Like, <laughs> bro. Like when I'm telling you, I knew nothing. Yes, I knew sir. nothing about cheerleading. I knew absolutely zero except for what I was learning in the moment. And like I said, it was a new thing every single day. I, dude, I think that's what a lot of people don't get. A lot of people that are not in the cheerleading industry and that are just kind of like eh, getting into it or not even getting into it. They, they think of the wrong stuff, right. right? But once you're in the game, you start realizing there is so much shit that you can actually do. Yeah, not just man. from a something, not from like game. But yes, it's fun being watching the games, maybe big 10, you know, sec, sec, if I'm saying it right. Um, pack 12 or even the small schools like Moorhead, because a lot of people from Moorhead or, to go to Moorhead or go to Navarro, go to TVCC, right? Go to the yeah, actual yeah. big small schools or for like competitive. You want to become the great, you want to become great, you go with the top dogs. But if you go to like big schools, you, yeah, you can enjoy the game day. But, but man, the best part is when you're going in the process of, of learning and meeting new people and becoming a better version of yourself, right? Because you're yes. not who the person you are when you started. Yep. Yep, I agree with that 100%. And like, it was it was wild because so now we're gonna fast forward a little bit going in, I'm going in 
my freshman year of college now. And mm-hmm. I Where? was originally, uh, I started out at a small school, NAIA school. It's called Baker University. I had been visiting there a while because I wanted to wrestle in college. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I, like I said, wrestling was my first love. I was going to college to wrestle. Um, the cheerleading was kind of gone, like, was in the back burns. Yeah, so, like, cheerleading, it wasn't necessarily on the back burner, but it wasn't a priority by any means. Like, I mm-hmm. wasn't really trying to get, like, super good at cheerleading. I was trying to get yeah. super good at wrestling. And so I was originally recruited to Baker for wrestling. And so I signed. Mm-hmm. I did my letter of intent. I was going to Baker to wrestle. And um, <clears throat> I had met – I had gotten in contact with the cheer coach, and she was like, um, you know, you can make – some extra money on your scholarship to pay for school if you come join the cheer team. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm really not that good. You know, wait, 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 hold up. How, how, how do they know you were intruding? I, I think I, I got, well, because I had kind of reached out because during, so when I was looking for colleges and stuff, um, my cheer coach had mentioned to me that you could make a little bit of extra money cheering in college, oh, wow. especially if you're mm-hmm. a male. Yeah. Like if you're that's, a male, you I think that's some, what, I think that's what every coach says to every <laughs> single male that is either yeah. <laughs> on the football team, wrestling, or did some yep. type of athletic thing. Hey, you'll get money for this. You'll get money for this. Hey, anybody who's listening, man, I'm not telling you to stop playing your sport, but I'm not also not telling you that you can make more money doing cheerleading. <laughs> I, I mean, it's in fact, in factual, scientifically speaking, you, if you're not a a D1 athlete. No, don't get me wrong, guys. All right. I'm not trying to be disrespectful here. But if you're not going to the NBA or to the NFL or you're not doing anything that good because maybe your talent isn't there, but you really need to go to college and you can't afford it, cheerleading is kind of like a, a game a hack. I think it's it's like a hack. Yeah. Like cheerleading. Yeah. Cheerleading is, the, is one of the easiest ways to stay in college and to get athletic money for college. Like, and you don't even have to be like good honestly like you could any, show up, you could man. pull you a pick random up girls yeah you could pull a random dude off the street and be like hey i'm gonna teach you how to do a back tuck and i'm gonna teach you how to throw this five pound girl in the air and catch her with both hands and like that right there will get you money for college <laughs> that's, that's it that's it uh, that's it that's, i mean that's literally it but uh yeah so <laughs> my coach had told me that i could get a little bit extra money to cheer mm-hmm you know, in college on top of my, my scholarships and stuff. Um, so I was, we did not have the best financials growing up. Like we were uber poor. Mm-hmm. And um, so my mom had always told me that sports was the way for like, that was my ticket in. And the more that mm-hmm. you could do, like the, the more scholarship money that you could pull in, the easier it'd be for you to go to college. So I got in contact with the, with the cheer coach at Baker and she was like, you know what? Just come try out. Just come try out. See what happens. Um, so I went. I tried out. She was like, you got any tumbling? I was like, uh, I have like kind of a back tuck. And she was like, okay, show me. So I showed her. And I landed it on my own two feet for like, it was like one of the first few times I had like actually landed <laughs> it without touching. Yeah. And so and uh, so I did that. And I already knew how to group stunt, which is what they were doing. They like They were primarily mm-hmm. like all-girl group stunt type of team so i already knew kind of how to do some of that stuff and uh you know i i made the cheer team and so now Easy i'm wrestling i'm wrestling 
and I'm doing cheer in college. Um, that was a lot. I'm not even going to lie to you. That was a lot to take on coming fresh out of high school because I had zero time management skills. And on top of that, like wrestling season in college came a lot sooner than it did in high school. And I wasn't prepared for that. And so there were points where I was cutting weight at cheer practice to try and make a tournament that same weekend. And like, it was a struggle, man. Like it was, man, I can't even tell you, like my grades were like ass. I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on the podcast, but like, my, my <laughs> uh, grades I, I think were you can. not yeah, good, man. Yeah. My, my grades were suffering. Like I was not doing well in school. I was not taking care of myself. I was not taking care of my body. Like I was not eating right. You know, I was having a grand old time. Don't get me wrong, but all the things that I needed to do to like function as an adult, I was mm -hmm. not doing because I just didn't know how to do it. Like I said, I had zero time management skills. Like I always, I'm a professional procrastinator. I put everything off until the last minute. So I had late assignments. I was, you know, missing assignments. And like I said, my grades suffered because I was doing two sports and I didn't uh -huh. know how to handle it. And so there came I think, a point. Uh, you get fun, right? Like you get to have a lot of fun in the moments, and and I oh mean, yeah, like I was stuff is, and partying, obviously, like on the weekends and all, yeah, like I was, like I said, I was having a I was having a great time. Like football at Baker, like Baker University is really good at football. Like they're one of the best in the NAIA. So our game days were always good. There was always a good crowd. Like I was I was having a a blast my first semester in college. Mm -hmm. But like I said, like I was not taking care of my grades you know there came a point i had an on-campus job like the on-campus job didn't pay me a lot but there came a point where i would just stop going to my on-campus job because i was just so exhausted <laughs> all the time yeah and so there came a point towards the end of the semester i was like man i'm not doing good in school and i gotta focus up like i gotta make sure my grades are right so i can stay in school and i had to make a choice like i loved wrestling so much but my wrestling coach at the time was not letting me wrestle at my natural body weight. And like, I was killing myself. Like I was, I was cutting 15 pounds a week, man, a week, 15 pounds Jesus. a week, man. I was killing my body, man. I was killing myself. Possible? It's, it's possible, yeah. but like, it's not healthy. I barely lost like, I barely lost like six pounds in September. Hey man, sweatsuits, eating like a rabbit, like, <laughs> like it's it's crazy how somebody can cut. But what about the muscle density? Like, oh man, I lost I lost a lot of muscle density, man. Like, and I would I didn't even realize it, but like every time I would go to wrestle, like my body would just mm -hmm. like shut down on itself because it was so deprived of everything wow. that it needed to function correctly. And so yeah, so I had to make a choice at the end of the semester. And when I was originally recruited for wrestling, I was recruited under a different coach. There was a coaching change like right before I got there. Mm -hmm. But the coach that had originally recruited me had told me that if at any point I needed to quit wrestling, I could retain my scholarship until the end of the like full academic year. Well, I went to the new coach and was like, hey, like I need to get a job. Like I need to pay for school. Like I was run I was falling behind on my school mm -hmm. payments. Like I was like, I need to get a job and I need to do better in school and I need to make a choice. And because like, I'm not happy wrestling right now, 
<clears throat> excuse me, because I'm not happy in wrestling and because like we're having this struggle of where I should wrestle at and, you know, all this stuff. I was like, I got to quit. Like, I got to quit wrestling. And at that point, he looked at me. He said, all right, well, if you're going to quit, then I have to pull your scholarship for this semester. Bro, and that was five grand. That was five grand I would have had to pay on top of what I was already paying out of pocket. Oh, my God. And so I was freaking out. I was freaking out at that time. Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, my cheer coach couldn't give me any more scholarship money. Um, I really didn't know about, like, loans and financial aid at that point. Like, I didn't know I could get more money. And so I was Mm -hmm. freaking out. Like, I called my mom. You didn't know. Was it something you didn't know because of the – because no one told you about it or or there was never a background that you – from, well, so you know, from your family, because I, okay, I, so, I, for example, I, I never knew you can do that until someone, one of my friends in college told me, right. and I'm like, wait, you can do that? That's crazy. I didn't know that. Well, because my fa- my family or my parents, have, they've never went to college, right? So they, I never knew that you can actually do that because college was for me was all by myself. Right. So um, I knew that I. I, let me say this. I knew I could take out loans. I didn't know how the process went. Um, my mm-hmm. mom had had told me, like, you should get as much scholarship money as you can and then pay the rest out of pocket so that you don't have to pay back loans later. So I didn't want to take out loans. I didn't know how the process even worked. So I didn't even try and go to financial aid and figure mm-hmm. it out. Like, I just had, like, a total <laughs> freak out, like, a total meltdown. I called my mom. I was yeah. crying. Like, I was like, Mom, I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to quit school. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to quit school and then come home and like not do anything? Or, you know, you're going to quit school or, you know, you're going to do K-State next semester. Like, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I was really trying to figure it out. I I had no plan. Like, when we were coming up on December. Like, oh I God. had, yeah, we were coming up like towards the end of the semester. Like, I had no plan of what I was going to do, like where I was going to go. And so luckily, um, one of my teammates that was on the Baker cheer team with me, her name is Kimmy. Um, shout out Kimmy. I don't know where you are. I hope you're doing good, but <laughs> I want to, I want to thank you for putting me on this journey. Um, but my, my teammate Kimmy, um, I had talked to her about it and she was like, well, you know what? I'm not very happy here. And so I'm transferring to the school down the road. It was called Ottawa university. And she was like, you should come with me come talk to the cheer coach, you know, show her what you got and maybe you can get some money. And so I went, you know, I went, I showed her, um, I had been working on my tumbling a little bit more at that, at that point. And, uh, I still knew how to group stunt. Um, at that point I had finally gotten a walk in hands. I knew how to do a walk in hand. So I knew how to do a little, wow, this late in the now, I'm not saying yeah, everyone this, can start whenever, right? But wow, this is like yeah, this a lot late of people in the game, are, man. Well, now, yeah, like I had just figured out how to do a walk in hands, so I had some skills and my tumbling had gotten better. So I went and I met with the coach, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I showed her what I could do, and she was like, "You know what? I want you on my team. Like, we will get it figured out. We will get you scholarship money. Like, I want you here next semester." And mm-hmm. so. When the next, like after Christmas time, 
me and Kimmy, we packed up all of our stuff and we moved, you know, down the road <laughs> to Ottawa, Kansas, and we started going wow. there. You know, so yeah, so um, I get to now I'm at Ottawa, and I'm having a great time. Like, For I'm, second semester. I'm doing, yeah, my second semester, my second semester at Ottawa. Um, I had heard through the grapevine that they were going to compete at NCA because Baker was going to compete at NCA too. Um, but I knew that Ottawa was a little bit better than them. So I was like, okay, so let me go over there. So I was really excited. You know, it was a fresh start. I got more money. My school was paid for. I didn't have to pay anything out of pocket. I was like, man, I am, I'm set. Like I'm, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. And, um, so I'm there, you know, during the summer, I learned how to do uh, a back handspring full. It was a janky full, like my legs were crunched up and everything, but I knew I figured out how to do it. <laughs> and so I just, I progressively got better as I was at Ottawa. So like Ottawa mm -hmm. honestly set me on the path to where I currently have ended up. Um, shout out to coach Sa Shayla. You know, she was like another mom to me. She took care of me. Um, she made sure that I was okay. Like she, she really did a lot for me. So shout out Coach Shayla. I hope you're listening to this. But um, the, yeah, so I what just were the guys I started progressively getting better. Were you the only uh, guy? Uh, so no. So when I got there at so I was one of three guys. No, I was one of four guys at Baker. And then I was one of four guys at um, Ottawa. And so the guys that were there, there was really, there was one really big dude. His name is JD. He could do like a toss platform. Um, he kind of had a full up, but there was still <laughs> no flipping. He kind of had a full up. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, but like, that was crazy to me. Like, that was the best I had ever seen at that point. Like my friend Jacob, oh my he God. had a toss extension to the top. Kansas, I was like, man, "Where you like, at, man? This is crazy." I know, I know, right? I was like, "Man, this is crazy." Like, I want to do some of this stuff. And so, uh, <laughs> so though my buddy Jacob was actually the guy that taught me how to do toss hands. So it was real, real late, real late in the game. Like we're into. So my second, my first semester at Ottawa, which was my second semester in school, we went to NCA. And um, we placed fifth. Yeah, we placed fifth. Uh, came out of Challenge Cup um, to compete on final day. And then, like I said, we took fifth place. And, like, that was mm -hmm. the highlight of my – that was when I really got to see what cheerleading was all about. Like, that was my first Daytona Stunt Fest. That was my first time seeing – What was that feeling like when you saw everyone else doing these crazy stunts? Oh man, dude! And it you was, and it compared was yourself, wild. it was wild, man. Like I look around and people are doing double ups and backhand spring ups and rewinds, and I'm over here still struggling, still struggling to do a, a walk into <laughs> extension. Like the my first Daytona Stunt Fest, bro. I kid you not, I did a walk in extension. I maybe did like three or four of those, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, and it was crazy because I I saw the I saw the tumble line for the first time too. And I was like, man, yeah. I want to be like that. And, like, you do not step in that tumble line unless you have, like, some tumbling. And so I was like, man, I really yeah, want to yeah. be in that tumble line one time. And so, like, all of that inspired me to get, like, 
like push for me to get better at cheerleading. And like, what was like that feeling like, that like though, around around those people? Around those, it people. was it was insane. Like it was the craziest thing I had ever seen in my life. Like it was exactly like bring it on. And I told my friend my friend that when we got there, <laughs> I was like, man, this is this is exactly like bring it on. Like I grew up watching all the bring it ons. Like my cousins, we love those movies. Like I grew up watching those. I was like, man, this is exactly like bring it on. Like I am in the place where I should be. Like I I uh-huh. felt in my heart that I belonged in this crowd and dude that's so sick that's just sick. like that's it was crazy year. it was crazy it was inspirational like it's just seeing what humans can do like with each other like how we can throw somebody twice in the air or you know just the mm-hmm. the crazy things that cheerleaders can do it really opened up my world to cheerleading and i was like man like can that's we- insane could we like take a moment and and realize how I think how lucky we are when when people are telling us to join cheer and we really don't know the outcome of it. We just yeah. think of the of the worst scenarios of what 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 is people gonna think? What are, what are that person gonna think? What is my teammates are gonna think? But when when you realize down the road, right? It's it's like a magical place. It's such a and and guys, I mean, everyone listen. If you're listening and you have a friend on that's not on the cheer team and you think that might be it, you tell them to join because you never know. They might be the next Kendrick. Right. I, I, well, I mean, not even the next me, but like, you know. No, but what that. I mean is like, you know, the, what I mean is like the, the, like the, wow, like there's actually more to this. Like, you yes. know, I was in the wrestling. I was, I was not having fun. I was, I was struggling. And guess what? Now, now you really found the, the place where you you think right. it's like home right and like i'll I'll piggyback on that like anybody who is listening to this and is having some thoughts about maybe trying the cheer team or whatever do it i promise you it'll be the best decision you ever make in your life like cheerleading has opened up so many doors for me like it's it's insane and you know you can honestly live a great life through cheerleading and you can achieve a lot through cheerleading and it, it, it's awesome i encourage everybody to do it Dude, Moorhead's. Where does Moorhead State come from? Where Where does it come from in this timeline? Oh man. Okay. So, whew. All right. So, in order for me to get to Moorhead, we got to get through uh, my journey at Ottawa. So we're going into 2017. All right. We're going into uh-huh. 2017, and I was having mad problems with my mom at the time, and you know, her and I had gotten into an argument one time. And she told me straight up that I was the reason that she tried to kill herself my senior year of high school. Like, she told me that straight up. Yes. And when I tell you that sent me into a deep depression, because no kid ever wants to hear that. Yeah. And, like, just a little background on that information. Like, the night that that happened, her and I got in a big argument. I ended up leaving and crashing on my friend's couch, and I went to school the next day, and I got called into the nurse's office, and they were like, they got a call from your mom. And I'm like, oh, crap, here we go. And she gets on the phone. She's like, Kendrick, I'm in the hospital. I tried to kill myself last night. And I was like, oh, my God. What? Like, like I – yeah, so, like, now at During this, the day of the school. Like, during the school day, I got that call. During the school day. I was in sixth period, and I got that call. That was not a fun call for me. <laughs> that was not, it was not fun going into the hospital yeah, no, and seeing no. her. 
like it was crazy and like at the time she was all apologetic and whatever but at the moment we had this argument and she told me that like i said it sent me into a deep 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 depression like i spiraled it, you down. said that you left you said that you left home and and you didn't come back or yeah so like the night that it happened um i left the house because i didn't want to be there i went to mm -hmm. my buddy's house my friend my best friend my brother his name is nick adams nick shout out to you he's one of the reasons i'm alive right now but like i went and i crashed on his couch and then after that moment, I just, I took it upon myself. I decided that I was going to move out. I was not going to be in that house anymore. I was 17 years old. I was 17 years old. I moved out of my house. I went and crashed at my friend Maddie's house. Her mom took me in. She treated me like her own son, you know, but like I said, I, that sent me into it from, from that point, I was already messed up. And so I was struggling, trying to figure out, you know, my self-worth and my, identity and it honestly i burnt some bridges because i just didn't know how to handle my emotions huh. um, where did those emotions come from where, where were those what were those trigger points in that stage so my mom like i said my mom and i have always had a super rocky relationship and mm -hmm. my dad wasn't really around you know he'd done some things that got himself in trouble and it was like, apparently I'm a spitting image of my dad. And so just her looking at me and seeing his face did not sit well with her a lot of the time. And like, she has a lot of things going on, you know, mm -hmm. with her own self. And so I can't Correct. really be too mad at it, but like, it was just the constant, you know, like, oh, you're going to end up like your dad, like you're gonna you know why do you why are you always outside you know you're just you just want to be like a little street rat thug you know like mm. all this like constant constant negativity coming my way and eventually like it made me question my self-worth and so i already had that like those self-esteem issues and you know all that mm -hmm. stuff as i was growing up so mm -hmm. like that was i was already kind of getting messed up yeah. from that point so now we're we're at the point where, like I said, she she said that to me, and I was like, "Wow! Like no kid ever wants to hear that. No mm -hmm. no kid wants to hear from your parent that you're the reason that they tried to kill themselves. You know what I mean? Like that made me feel like I was a terrible son. That made me feel like I was a terrible person, and like." It took me a long, 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 long time to realize that what happened that night was not my fault. And but like, like I said, like when she, as soon as she said that, like my mentals went like down, and like I was spiraling so so bad. I didn't know how to express my emotions. I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know, you know, where to go for help. You know, so I started drinking a lot. I started you know, staying up late, not taking care of myself, not taking care of my mentals. And there this came during a point. the, was it? So this, so was, I'm, this I'm had still to be during Ottawa. high school, right? Oh, Ottawa. This had to be in yeah. Ottawa then. So yeah, then, so oh, I'm okay. at Ottawa. I'm at Ottawa when she said Were you close? So, so you were close to, to home then? Yeah. So Ottawa was only like an hour, 45 minutes from home. So oh, I really wasn't okay, even that far. Because when but, you said you, you, you walked out and you, you left home, 
I was yeah, thinking, so when I, I, I was left, thinking you, 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 you switched it back to a high school moment, but it was, it had to be yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So when I moved out of my house, I was in high school. I was 17. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I lived with my friend Maddie for a little bit and then I moved in with my brother E-Man. Um, like that is my actual, that's the closest thing to a brother I have without it being blood. And so I do you have any more brothers and sisters? Or you I do. I have. China? I got a little sister. Uh, she's my blood sister. She lives in Colorado, uh, oh, near okay. my dad. Oh, but like I lived with E Man and his mom for like a year and a half, like two years, because mm-hmm. when I would come home from college, that's where I would go. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even go to like my original home. I guess you could call it. Like I would go oh. there. Like I considered that my home. I considered E Man's mom. You know, my mom. Um, so like, that's where I would always go, but now we're, now we're in Ottawa. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I'm spiraling, like I'm not doing good. Like I'm really, really, really not like my mentals, man, were, were so bad. Like there came a point where at one point I was working a job. I was working an overnight job at a gas station on top of Mm -hmm. doing cheer on top of doing school. And so I was just constantly going and I was always tired and there came a point where I was walking to work one night and I literally just was walking in the middle of the street hoping and praying that somebody would hit me so that I could just have some time off you know not even it wasn't even the fact that I wanted to die I didn't care if I died at that point but like I wanted somebody to at least like break a leg or break an arm or something, something to give me some time off from all the struggles that I was like happening. And so at that point I was meeting with a therapist, like a school counselor. And did you go, did you go and find him or, or did someone, so I was referred recommended. Yeah. So I was recommended to this person. I was seeing somebody, her name was Dr. Washington. I was seeing her first and then she took another job. So she referred me to the next person that was coming in and I was seeing her. And so the day, the the night that that happened, I didn't get hit. Thank God I didn't get hit. I went to work. Mm-hmm. I did my job at work. And then I was riding um, my bike. Like I had found a bike and I was riding that bike mm-hmm. back home. And my like foot slipped, like the chain slipped, and my pants got caught in the in the in the spokes, and I did like mm-hmm. a whole flip, like a whole flip. I broke my phone. Oh, I was scratched up, man. Oh. I was over it. Like at that point, I was over it. And so I went to my counselor, and I explained to her like, "Hey, like I need a break. I literally walked in the middle of the street. Like I didn't care if I got hit. I wanted somebody to hit me, and it didn't happen." And like I'm freaking out. I'm having I like I had a whole anxiety attack, I had a panic attack and everything. And I was wild and it was crazy. And like I was trying to explain all this stuff to her, but like I said, I didn't know how to ex- like express my emotions in a way that could get through in a way that, mm. you know, was not confrontational. And so how mm. I was expressing my emotions came out in a confrontational way. I didn't mean it to, but it came out that way. And there came a point where I just got so frustrated, I left. And I slammed the door, and apparently I slammed the door so hard that I shook her entire office. And so I was walking out the building. I was walking out the building, and before I got to the front door, I was like, you know what? 
you were kind of acting like an asshole. You should probably go back and apologize. So I turn around. I go back to the counselor's office, and I'm ringing the doorbell trying to get her to come out, and she doesn't come out. And I'm like, what? what's going on? And I, dude, what happened next will always live in my mind. Like maybe like 30 minutes of me sitting in the lobby, two officers walk in. And they're like, your name is Kendrick, right? And I was like, yeah. And he said, do you know why we're here? And I said, no. And he said, well, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but you're getting kicked out of school. Oh. And I was like, no way. I was like, no way that this is happening to me right now. I was like, this has got to be some kind of joke. And he was like, no, this is serious. Like, you are getting kicked out of school. We are here to escort you off the premises. Dude. This this story has turned turned an event. Yeah. like, Like, this is the darkest year of my life. And I went, like, I got up. I had, I had. I couldn't do anything at that point. I literally just had to get up and comply and go. And so I walked out. They walked behind me. I'm walking out the door, and I see my cheer coach there. I see the dance coach there. I see the athletic director there, and they're all just looking at me. They don't say a word. They're just looking at me as I'm walking down the stairs, and they're escorting me to my dorm to get my stuff. Not handcuffed, right? No, not handcuffed. They didn't slap any handcuffs okay. on me, thank God. Yeah, they didn't slap no handcuffs on me, thank God. But, you know, like, That's that was the, the craziest thing to me. I wasn't even told mm-hmm. by university faculty. I was told by two random police officers that just happened to show up in the office at that point in time. And so I had no place to go. At that point, I wasn't talking to my mom. Like, I wasn't going to go back to Manhattan. And I, you know, my, my uncle, I could have went to go live with him, but he already had, you know, my cousins living in the house. Like he already had a full house. So I wasn't going to burden him with Mm -hmm. an extra mouth. You know, luckily me and E-Man were going to Ottawa at the same time. And so he was like, you know what? We'll take you in. He lived in a one bedroom apartment with his fiance. Well, his girlfriend at the time. He lived in a one bedroom apartment. And so I was crashing on my brother's couch every single day. And at that point, so the school didn't really kick me out. What they did was they suspended me, but they were like, you're not allowed to come back on campus, but your friends can bring you your homework. And at that point I was, yeah. So I was taking a Spanish class. I didn't go to classes. Yeah, I can't. I was like, I can't pass my classes if I'm not going. So at that point I just dropped out. Like I dropped out of school at that point. And I'm living on my brother's couch, and I'm just working my little overnight job at the Casey's gas station up the hill, and that's all I'm doing. And there wow. came a point, yeah. So I think I was on my brother's. That was like I'm telling you, man. Like that was the darkest point of my life, and like getting up every day trying to figure out like how to keep going was a struggle, and like the only thing that kept me going was the fact that I knew that my nephew, Samuel, I love that kid so much. I knew that my nephew, Samuel, was going to be born the next April mm-hmm. in 2018. And so, like, I was like, I can't leave. I can't leave this earth, you know, because I got to be there for him. And so 
he was literally the only thing that kept me going every day at that point. So I was probably on my brother's couch for like two and a half months. And I was just, all I was doing was drinking and hanging out with people that were doing drugs and other hood rat things. And, you know, and that's why I told you, like, so now there there came a point. I woke up one day and I was like, I really want to go back to school. And I had planned on trying out for KU that next in the spring, like at the end of the spring, mm-hmm. to go to KU in the fall, like the next fall. But we're still in like the December of 2017. And I was like, if I don't go to school in January, I'm not going back. And so I met at that point, I was like, who are two really good schools in the NAIA? And at that point, it was Oklahoma City and Missouri Valley. And so mm-hmm. I DM'd both of them. And luckily, uh, the coach at the time, uh, Tori Cox, she from Missouri Valley, she got back to me first. And I was like, hey, like, I'm trying to find a place to cheer. I got this skill, this, like, I got this, this, this. Like, I want to come and cheer for you. You guys are really good. And she was like, okay, I got you. Come here. We're going to get you money. We'll get you a place to live. Like, and, and that was it. And I was like, okay, bet. So I went through all the process. I applied. I got accepted. I got my financial aid. I got all that stuff. And so January, like, 8th, I packed up all my stuff. And my buddy drove me, uh, like, two and a half hours into Missouri. And I ended up at Missouri Valley. And and that's when I told you when I called you on the phone. It was at that point, like, that little moment in my life where I knew that if I didn't go back to school I was gonna end up in jail or I was gonna end up dead like that was just the path that I I was on Mm -hmm. like I I saw it I saw it and so you know thank God you know thank the universe whatever you you know you want to praise a higher power to that Tory Cox took me in because you know I don't think I would have made it I don't think I would be here talking to you right now so Dude, that's crazy. now I get to, that's, yes, it's, it's crazy, man. It's like, crazy. Like it's wild. It's, like, and I don't think people, people really don't understand, like until you're in that hole, people do not understand mm-hmm. how hard it is to climb yourself out of that hole. How and come? it was, I was still, cause like at that point I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody cause I didn't want to burden anybody with my problems. You know, I kept, I was keeping everything in. I was still reeling off of the things that my mother had told me. And, you know, she had said some other things after yeah, that. It's hard. You know, it's that kind of set me hard, off. Man. That's, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, it was, it was rough. It was rough, man. Like, that wasn't even the worst part. Like, that wasn't even the worst part. Like, there was a night, I'm, I'm at Ottawa. And I'm having an argument with this girl that I was talking to at the time. And she had just, this is not her fault. I want to let everybody in the universe know that this is not her fault. This is never nobody's fault when this happens. But she had said some things that had triggered me. And uh, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of living. I'm tired of living. So I went to Walmart, and I bought the biggest knife that I could. And I went back to my dorm, and I just 
I went to I like I I cut myself. I cut myself on my arm. Like I went and I just I kept going and I kept going and I kept going mm-hmm. because the physical pain felt so much better than the emotional pain that I was feeling. And like mm-hmm. I was drunk when I did it too. And so I couldn't really feel it and I had hurt yeah. myself pretty bad. And there was a point where I called my brother. I called E-Man and I was like, hey man, like I'm not doing good. Like I need you to come and get me. And he was like, okay, I'm on my way. And I walk out of my room and I walk down to the lobby and there's just blood dripping down my arm. Like Holy. he found me like that. I was drunk. I was bleeding. Like he found me like that. Like, and he took me to the hospital and I kid you not, man, they put 28 staples in my arm that day. Like whenever people ask me what these are, you know, I used to say that I got in a bar fight or that I got in some kind of physical altercation because I just don't like that. When when you say that you harm yourself, people look at you differently. And like, mm-hmm. I don't like that look. I, I don't like that all like poor you look. So I always used to lie about it. But now I'm at the point where it's like, I look at I look at these scars and I'm like, man, like I really came out of that hole. And like I said, unless you're in it, people really don't understand how hard it is to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not even like the the way the way you talk about it, the way you you speak it into you know into existence is um those the I mean those scars those what you have now are are the it's like a like a like a warrior, like you were fighting against yourself, right? Yeah. That you were really... I was. Really, I mean, it was no one, it was no one, it was you against you mentally. And when it, and, and you were right. I mean, when, when you don't know, like no one's going to know, I I will never know what that battle was because those battles are so internally like in here. And it's so... Yeah, man. Your like, your battle will be so different than mine, and 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 if I ever if I ever get to be in that point, which, you know, you who no one ever knows in what situation they're gonna be, right? Because tomorrow is not it's not guaranteed, right? Late, you know, later tonight is not guaranteed. So, that battle, I I, I see it as a battle. Is like you you fought that battle, you conquered it, and it was a it was a bloody battle too. Yeah, it was, and you know, I will I'm gonna just say this like to anybody especially my males out there if you are struggling internally ask for help it is not a burden you will not be a burden to nobody it is not shameful to ask for help please if you are struggling ask for help there are people to help you and to get you through what you are going through i promise and i know like it's the most cliche saying in the world but there is a light at the end of the tunnel i know because i found it Dude, that's insane. I I still, I'm so I'm so grateful you get to share this on on the on the podcast. It's it's really too, it's something that me I. Too. It's it's just insane. It's I think it's crazy to me to think that I, I we I have a platform where we can talk about this, mm-hmm. and it's totally normal. It's totally a a thing that quite opposite. Not a lot of people talk about. Right, it's not. Yes. It's not the thing that that they don't mention it. Obviously, you're not gonna be going to going to practice or going to achievements. Hey, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. But but when we get to share this on a platform where where you know it's a community that is 
oh, that, that that feels welcomed by all this, mm -hmm. you know, by what your story, by someone else's story. It, it becomes a community, you know. It becomes it becomes a, yes. a thing where you can inspire some other other people. The cheer community, because you know, I said this on the blog. I don't know if you watched it, but I don't know anyone else. But but if you haven't watched it, go check it out. It's actually pretty dope. Uh, but <laughs> but I said that there's so many bad people in the cheerleading world that it, it is making. I truly believe there's a lot of bad people out there that are making it a bad. They're making it a bad look for everything. I mean so many people that are just and people like you that come in and, sh and talk about this is is what really what i think cheerleading is about what i think is what these people are real these real athletes are and what's crazy is like i didn't know that people were going through the same kind of stuff like cheerleaders anyway because when you look on instagram mm -hmm. and you look on you know, like your socials and everything it's different what what people put online is different than what people are actually going through. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I listened to your podcast and started listening to some of the interviews and I'm like, dang, like some of these people, like some of these people who I look up to are struggling with the same kind of things that I'm struggling with. Like mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, like mental illness. Like, so you are not Suicide alone. thoughts, man. Yeah, suicidal thoughts. Like you are not alone. Like this really is a community. There is always somebody out there to help you. I promise. But um, Dude, that's I love that man. I love fuck. Hey, fuck, I fucking love you, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, man. Seriously, you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so now, like circling back, now, now <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm at where Missouri Valley. <laughs> now I'm at Missouri Valley, and uh, this is where I really start to begin to heal. And uh, I met this woman. Her name is Jesse. She was go. an academic counselor, and she was like, you know, I I went into her all the time, and I was telling her about my struggles, and she was like, Kendrick, you cannot let that define you. You know. Like she had this thing in her office. It was a picture. It was, it was a Buddha. And it said, let that shit go. And I still have that picture with me. And I carry that mantra with me every single day. Like sometimes you just got to let it go. And there came a point where I had to, it was, it was at that point when I got to Missouri Valley that I finally started to realize that what had happened that night with my mother was not my fault. That was three years after the fact three years it took me to realize wow. that what had happened was not my fault and so that's where i began to heal and honestly i owe my entire life to missouri valley because they made me into they helped me prepare for and get me to where i am now and they helped me get past all of my mental struggles and you know there was I had a lot of great what friends, way? and I had a lot of great mentors. What, what were some? What were some ways that they? Got well, you? there was this. There was one man. His name is Dominique Garlington, and if you don't know Dom, you should because he is <laughs> one of the greatest human beings I have ever met in my entire life. You know, I, him, and I instantly became friends. I I had kind of known about him, and I had interacted with him like a in the years past but not to an, like a friendship extent but when I got there like he befriended me and he really helped me work through a lot of you know my personal struggles because he had gone through a lot of personal struggles himself mm -hmm. and like he was he is a brother to me like he is my brother and you know without that man I probably would still be stuck 
in that same mindset, like everybody's out to get me, nobody loves me, you know, I can't talk to nobody. But, you know, he is one of the people that really helped me pull myself out of that hole. And so, like, shout out to him, shout out to you, Dom. I love you so much, man. Um, so that's where I began to just started talking. Like, I started talking to people about what I had gone through, what I was still going through. And it was through talking to people that I had finally begun to heal myself. Like, I finally began to heal myself. Was it, the, was it the, the bottle? Was, was it was that feeling of sharing it? You're, you're saying that it made it better, right? Yeah, so, like, just getting it off of your chest and, like, getting it out and not holding it in because – when you hold things in like that, like when you hold that deep trauma inside of you, it eats away at you and it eats away at your soul and it eats away at parts of you and it turns you into somebody that you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. And so like when I got to Missouri Valley, I finally realized like there are people here to help me, to help me get through it. And so that's what I did. I just, I started talking. And as I was talking, I was getting off my chest. I was letting all of this baggage go, you know, like I was shedding the weight of the world off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's how I began to, 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 to heal and to, to get better mentally. Now, the crazy part is when this is kind of how we're going to start getting into Moorhead is mm -hmm. <laughs> when I got to Missouri Valley – my head coach's my head coach had a boyfriend who was also coaching the team. His name is Gavin. Mm -hmm. Gavin Runkle. Shout out Gavin. I love that guy. Um <laughs> he is one of my biggest mentors in life. He has gotten me through a lot of things and uh there came a point where um Wait, Gavin, Tori had uh, Moorhead, right? Yeah, he's at Moorhead. But oh, he used yeah, to coach yeah. me. He used to coach me at Missouri Valley. Mm, which is crazy yeah so there was okay, a point okay. where tory cox had to leave for personal reasons and so gavin at that point it was gavin audie monroe and dom all three of them were my coaches for the rest of the season and oh, that was i think i remember that time yes i remember that time yes yeah yeah so that was there were all three uh, of them were there yeah so that was 2019 2019 mm -hmm. is when they were all my coaches and at the end of that year, Gavin had decided that he was going to um, pursue his dreams to become a national champion. Like, he wanted to cheer more in college. He had left in the tank. And Mark had approached him when we went to Daytona because we had two teams at, at MVC that year. We had one team that competed mm -hmm. in AIA. We had one team that competed in NCA. And so when we took the NCA team, Mark had approached him at in Daytona and talked to him about coming to Moorhead. So... That next year, he ended up leaving and going to Moorhead for the for the 2020 year. And when he left, um, Nick Lutz and Jesse Ayala ended up being my coaches right after them. So two Moorhead alum ended up being my coaches. I'm pretty good too. So now pretty we're pretty good coaches. Yeah. So like that was that was crazy. I was like, I saw them win their partner stunt in like 2017. Like, it was wild. I was like, man, because at that point, I just I was thinking about leaving and, like, maybe going to Lindenwood or somewhere else. 
because mm-hmm. I didn't know who the coaching staff was going to be. But as soon as they walked in the door, I was like, I got to stay. I got to stay because I'm not going to get any coaches better than this, honestly. Like, I'm not going to get any any Correct. better coaches than the two of them. And so they coached me through the 2019 and 2020 season. But unfortunately, COVID hit in, like, February, March of 2020. And so mm-hmm. we were literally on our way to nationals. Like, we were already in Iowa. Our nationals were in Iowa, which is, like, six hours from Missouri. We were already in Iowa when the NAIA headquarters sent out the email that all spring championships were canceled. Bro. <laughs> so I didn't even get to compete that last season. And, like, we had a sick, nasty team, man. Like, our routine was fire. Like, we had probably the best team that Missouri Valley had seen in a long time. Like, we were slated to – like, we belie- we all believed that we were going to win. And then COVID hit, and then boom. Now we can't compete. Took all, took all of that. Yeah. Out. And what's crazy is, so NAIA is a separate entity from varsity. So they don't do anything varsity affiliated, mm-hmm. which is why I was able to uh, maintain my varsity uh, eligibility. Cause I competed in NCAA, at NCAA twice with Ottawa. Um, and then I competed NAIA for two years, but they had this like rule, like 10 semester rule where if you exceed 10, 10 semesters in school, you're out of eligibility. So I was already coming up on my 10th semester that next fall. And they mm. didn't give us that year back, which sucked <laughs> so bad. It sucked so bad that they didn't give us that year back. But I was grateful in a way, like hindsight being twenty twenty, I'm grateful for it because I got a chance to be a student coach under Nick and Jesse. And so that whole year, so COVID's done. We're past the summer. Everybody's getting back into school. So that year, I was kind of wrestling with, do I want to quit cheer after I graduate? Like, do I want to be just a normal person? But I was like, no, like, I have more in the tank. Especially when my championship got taken away from me, I was like, I have more in the tank. I haven't won a national championship yet. Like, I know that I can do it. And so... I was training with Nick and Jesse and um, my teammate slash girlfriend at the time. Um, Like we were all – like they were pretty much training us to go try out at Moorhead. So I was already doing around the world. I was already doing 10 tucks, 10 fulls. Like I was already doing all the things that Moorhead needs you to do before I even got there. So I was put in a good position by the time I went to actually go try out. And because Gavin was there, I would go see Gavin frequently, like in the spring. I think I saw Gavin like four or five times, and that's not a short drive <laughs> from Missouri. Yo, that's, that's like – What is that, like that's four? A, that's like a nine-hour drive. Nine? Holy. Nine, bro. I would drive nine hours all the way to Kentucky to see my friend Gavin. And, uh, you know, he was one of the people that – you know, help me realize like you can make this team, like you can come here and do something great. And so that's what I did, man. You know, I went and I tried out and, um, I had, I had been talking to Mark for a while. And so like, I kind of knew that I was in a good spot to make the team. And so when Mm -hmm. I went, I just went in, I went in and I showed out, man. Like I did 10 fulls. I did my running full, 
um i didn't do the most like the hardest tryout skill i just did a backhand spring up and then a hands full around after that but i ended up making the team which was my dream for you know the longest time because uh when i was at ottawa it was when i got to ottawa that i had started to discover like cheerleading on instagram Mm -hmm. and like the first cheerleader i ever followed was dustin hattersoff Justin Velasquez. <laughs> yeah. So like that Justin Haters off. Like, that was the same. Yeah. So like he was the first person I had ever seen on Instagram. And I was like, man, I want to be like this dude. And then I discovered Benji and then Josh and like all those other like really big mm-hmm. cheer celebrities or cheer idols, if you want to call them that. So I was like, I'm finally at the place where I I should be. And Moorhead had all the values and that I was looking for in a team. Like when we get in that room, it is all business. It doesn't matter if we have any personal squabbles at the time with each other or nothing. Like when we are in that room, it is all business. Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody's at the, on the same page at the same time. And it was awesome. Like it was so cool coming into Warhead and just learning, honestly, like, learning how to get better at stunting mm-hmm. learning how to get better at tumbling like just learning the moorhead way like when you come here and you buy in man the sky is the limit because i never thought that i would be able to do like a one-to-one or a hand ski or even a double up. Yeah. like i struggled on double ups for a long time and you know i never thought i would ever be able to do any of that stuff until i got here and so oh, i'm here man. now I'm here at Moorhead and I go through my first semester and, you know, I honestly, like I got in a house with really good roommates, you know, um, the house situation was a little weird because we had to split or we had to transform the dining room into a room for me, but the dining room didn't have a door. So I went through my whole first year at Moorhead without a door. (laughs) So that was interesting. (laughs) But, like, I had great roommates, and I had a great support system. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I struggled every now and then, you know, um, just kind of Does it haunt you sometimes? Does it, like, do you ever get any any moments? Because, I don't know, I, I think for me, for example, I'll give you my take on it, and you tell me if you feel that way. But, mm. like, I'm sometimes I get motivated at times, right? I get not I wouldn't say motivated, but I, I stick to a discipline. I stick to my daily habits. And sometimes I get a spark of of like the past. Like just like sudden moments where like it just mm-hmm. I drift off and I'm like and I just think start thinking about negative stuff. And I don't know why, but it's some it's one of those things where you're going straight, you're in a good lane yeah. and suddenly you just drift off and you're like, Why did I drift off? Like what made me go right and think about this? So uh, when I got here, I had completely cut off my relationship with my mom because she she did some things to me before I came here that she will never ever be able to take back, and I don't I just don't mess with her no more. So I had cut my relationship with her. But as I went through my my first year here at Moorhead, <laughs> I had learned that sometimes how I interact with people is how my mom used to interact with me which was not good. It was not healthy. It was not, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's where I kind of struggled was learning how to um, express my emotions in a way where 
me and this person that I have problems with can come to some kind of understanding in a non-confrontational mm-hmm. way. And so like that was honestly one of the big the, the biggest struggle for me was just learning how to shed those traits that I had, you know, unconscious like consciously and unconsciously learned from being around my mom all the time. Learning how to shed those and actually like learn how to talk to people as people and not mm-hmm. as like a subordinate or, you know, somebody who you know, some of these people here are are younger than me, but they have knowledge and they have wisdom that, you know, precede their years, Correct. let alone my years. So that was my biggest struggle, you know, my first year at Moorhead was just learning how to figure out how to communicate better. And I'm still learning Correct. that. I'm still learning how to communicate. Um, but, you know, overall even despite some of the struggles that I had, my first year at Moorhead Man was just so good. Like, I can't tell you, going into two days and going into national season, like, I was <laughs> so hyped. Like, it was crazy. And that is the most I think I've ever pushed my body ever. Like, between wrestling and football, doing two-a-days for the entire month of December – and like two weeks in January was just insane. It was insane to me. Like, but it was it was nice. It was nice though because that's exactly what I wanted. That's exactly what you didn't I didn't treat to it. You you didn't treat it every day like oh, I have to go to practice. Oh, I get to wake. Oh, what what do we get to wake up? But but I think you were you were rather thinking like man, I get to go here. I get to go to work. I get to work out yeah. with these guys. I get to do this instead of being in the past where you were before. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I realized, like, there were some days where, yeah, I was like, oh, man, like, I don't want to go to practice. But I quickly had to check myself and be like, you're at Moorhead. Like, this is a privilege. There are hundreds of people that would kill to be in your spot right now, and you're kind of taking it for granted. And that was, like, the halfway point of my first semester is when I had that, like, epiphany. And at that point, mm-hmm. I kind of had to make a switch. And I was like, I got to I gotta be better. I got to do better. And so that was my mindset going into two days. Like, you are privileged to be here. Like, you get to be here. You get to be on mat. There's like five other people that are alternates right now that would kill to be in your spot if they could. And so that was my mindset going into two days. And that was honestly like the best thing that could have ever happened to me because – two days even though it was rough like it was still good like Mm -hmm. doing going through the trenches with your teammates in that capacity really builds a bond that cannot break and you know we say all the time like we're a family here and I have really from the teams that I have been on from Baker to Ottawa to Missouri Valley I had never really felt this family feeling until I got here at Moorhead not saying that I didn't have people there that were like family to me, but the entire team as a whole is a family. And I would catch a bullet for anybody on this team between all girl, Smoed, large. Like I would catch a bullet for anybody on this team because I know anybody on this team would catch a bullet for me. And mm-hmm. like, that was cool. And so now we're, we're at nationals. This is my first time at UCA nationals, like very first time. 
And something my friend Dom had always told me was, when you get out on that stage, take it all in and just show out. And so when I walked up, we went through warm-ups. I walked on that stage. I looked up at the lights. I looked down at the mat. I touched it. I looked out into the crowd. And I was like, this is this is my time. This is my moment. And when that music came on, man, my body just took over. And I will never, ever forget that feeling. Semis was crazy. We smacked. We smacked during semis. And, like, when we popped Schmacked. off at the end, like, smacked, like, hit that routine <laughs> hard and when we popped off like i was just overcome with emotion because it was just so special to me like after all that we had been through as a team like it was crazy like nicole oh my god bro i don't know if she told you on this pot or on her podcast episode but like two like two three days before nationals nicole got hurt like pretty bad coming off a of pyramid oh she didn't like no. no bro like she like hit the ground hard like we there was a point where we almost lost nicole and on top of that we had two other people that had covid right before we went to nationals so we didn't even have a full squad like i think we hit our first full out in florida (laughs) like it was wild it was wild but like we popped off we popped off and uh Like I said, I was just overcome with emotion, and we went back to the hotel, waited for our results, and waited for us to go to finals, and then when we got to finals, I did the same thing. I walked out on the stage, I hugged my friends, I looked up at the lights, I touched the mat, I looked out in the crowd, and as soon as that music came on, man, it was like something just took over all of us. Like, we wanted it so bad. And then we ended up smacking in finals too. And man, when we popped off for finals and I saw my alumni and AGB right there in front of the stage, like screaming AGB. head, head, and more head. Like, man, I was just I was just man, I was I was crying. I was emotional. And at that point, at that point, we knew that we won. We knew that we won. Because and like when we went back. Like, I just kind of took it all in. Like, it hadn't really hit me yet, you know, the things that I had just done that day. Yeah. And then when we're all out on the stage, man, and they're calling the placements, and they say, in second place, West Georgia, I squeezed my friend's hand so hard. And then they said, (laughs) and presenting your 2022 national champions, Moorhead State University. And, man, like, it was – it's honestly, it was the best moment of my life because I got to compete with my former coach side by side. And that was my very first national championship. Like that was my first win ever, ever. Like I had won some regional and conference titles when I was at Missouri Valley, but I hadn't won a national championship yet. You know, I never won state during wrestling, whether it was club or high school, you know, I didn't get very far in wrestling during college. And so I had never really been on the mountaintop yet. And when I got there, man, it was not a lonely place. They say it's lonely on on top, but, man, it was not because I had 19 <laughs> other people there with me. <laughs> like, it was crazy. And one of, one of my favorite moments was right before we went out for awards, I believe. 
um, my friend, my teammate Gabe came up to me. He was like, come here, man, come here. And we just, we hugged each other. And he was like, we did it. We did it, man. We did it. And like, we were just crying and crying because we were so happy. And like, we knew that we had put something out there that we could be proud of. And man, like, like I said, I will never forget that moment. It lives in my head every single day. Even when I watch our routine on YouTube sometimes, like I still get like misty eyed and emotional because it just takes me right back to that feeling. Like it was the best ever. And I wouldn't, and it, it took me a long time to get where I am. Like this whole yeah, you, interview, like you, you never learned, like you my path had, was not conventional. Dude, right. And like you, you were telling me can everything. go a long way. You can, you can go a long way if you have an iron will to succeed and you have a good support system. And I am living proof of that. Dude, that's just hearing, hearing the whole story from start to beginning. It, it just feels like a movie. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I told you once seriously. before, like, I have lived a long life in my short 25 years. And, like, I'm not even done. I'm not even done yet. No. That's the crazy part. But, like, I am mentally, I am the best that I've ever been. Physically, I am in the best shape that I've ever been. Even though I still struggle and my joints hurt sometimes, I'm still in the best shape that I've ever been. I have a very good support system. I have a loving girlfriend who, you know, takes care of me. And, you know, um, and I got, you know, I just got so much love surrounding me that, like, I'm getting a little emotional just talking about it right now. Like, I just have so <laughs> much love surrounding me. Like, I can't even express enough how grateful well, let me... I am. Let me ask you this, Kendrick. What would you, what would you, what would you tell that younger you, that younger you, that just slammed a door, and and thirty minutes later, the cops are coming. What what, what would you tell that younger Kendrick? Man, now that you know, could, what you know now. Man, if I could go back and and talk to that kid, I would just I would tell him like, you gotta get yourself right. And because, and you, and you gotta, honestly, I would tell him that you need to talk to somebody and you need to ask for help because if you don't, it's gonna take you way longer to heal from that past trauma than it should. And like, there's really no timeline on healing, but, you know, I would tell him like, you gotta ask for help don't be afraid like you are not alone and there are people out here who love you and who care about you and who are willing to help you through this darkness that you're going through amen amen that's sweet man that's that's amazing here man you're, you're getting me emotional too because <laughs> seriously it's um it's just i always tell these i always tell the guests it feels when you're telling the story it's like I, I imagine everything that's that's going. I'm processing everything, right? And I'm imagining it almost like if I'm there and I'm watching it from a third point of view, and right, and you ending it from there. It's like it's just it's it's amazing to hear, and it's more the most important thing is you're sharing it on this platform, man. Yeah, 
And like, it like still I said, my head. there was a long time where, you know, I used to lie to people about what happened to me. And cause I was, there was a part of me that was ashamed of it almost, you know, like, you know, like I really did that to myself, but now, you know, when people ask me, I'm, I'm an open book and I'm honest because I'm living testament that you can get out of that dark place. You can, you can get out, you know, you got to put in work and you have to ask for help, but you can get out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Like I said, I know because I found it and I'm in a much better place because I did. Let's go. Kendrick. Kendrick, what are you doing this summer, man? Uh, this we'll past summer or what summer. am I doing next summer? No, no, this summer, next summer. Next summer, next summer, man. Um, probably gonna do staff. I'll do UCA staff again. Um, and honestly, that's pretty much what I do with my summers. I know I have to take a summer class next next year to in order to graduate, but that's pretty much what I do with my summers, man. I'm on UCA staff and I'm traveling around. I'm doing camps and you know, hopefully man, I, I'll get. I enjoyed. I've enjoyed our, our enjoyed our conversation. I've really. I would say this enough to a lot of people is it's hard for me to find really, really genuine, captivating stories because there's a lot of stories out there that are so that are untold that are just super, um, they're just amazing to hear. And yours was definitely by far one of my favorite ones because this really was thank you, man. Thank out you. of nowhere. That. This was really out of nowhere. So and for you to go from to the lowest, I mean the lowest. And up here, the lowest of the is, lows. It's just it's. It makes me happy, right? I, I guess it makes me happy because it, it make it, it makes me realize how much. That's the reason why I do this, and and I always get blurred out from like, from from my time, from my own time, and then I realize, man, I should really try to make an extra effort to make this happen because these are stories that I, that we need. I need to get it out of there. I need to get those out there. Hey man, and you're doing a great thing too, because like I said, I didn't even know that people that were like really good at cheerleading, like I didn't know like mm -hmm. those top people were struggling with these kind of things. It wasn't until I listened to your podcast that I realized like I'm really not alone in this and there are people that are going through similar things that mm -hmm. I'm going through. So anybody that's listening, number one cheer podcast in the world, just know that you well, are not alone. You you are not alone out there. There are people out there that love you and that care for you and that are willing to help you. Kendrick, we're man, I really want to share a story. And and we're doing this, uh we're doing this camp. We're planning this camp uh for next summer. And uh it's gonna be with a couple of people. You might know them. Uh with Nick Prack, Boosh, and a couple other people. We're still in the mix. Okay. But I want this camp is about it's about this. It's about literally living fact that people have gone through this and and i want to share this to the younger people to the high schoolers to the all-stars and i want to have you in the camp i want you to be part of it as a staff that would be awesome man you just gotta send me the information like as soon as you get it all figured out send me the information and i will do my in Chicago. best to make sure that so, i'm in the, that i'm there man we're gonna make it happen hi right, this is this story i i really want this to be part of it man that no kendrick Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You have done nothing but share on the number one trailing podcast. What's good? If you don't think that's factual, in the world, go somewhere else. <laughs> in the world. <laughs>
I want everyone to share it. And if you're not sharing it, well, then what the fuck are you doing, people? Peace. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>